0: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
1: (laughs) Quiet upstairs!
0: The SPN Roundtable on the Sports Podcasting Network.
1: And welcome to the SBN Roundtable. I'm Dwayne Willens along with Kevin Laramie. Joining us this week is Andrew Buckholtz. He writes for Yahoo. He's their CFL writer there. He's also a writer for Awful Announcing among a lot of other things. Uh, Andrew and I go way back through the early, early blogging days as we were saying off air a minute ago. How are you doing,
2: Andrew? Pretty good. Thanks a lot for having me, guys.
1: All right, well... We're going to lean on your football knowledge to start it. And one thing I said to you off air as well is that uh, Kevin and I, uh, we constantly bash the idea of the Toronto Argonauts in the in the Canadian Football League playing at BMO Field. or If it's going to be called BMO Field moving forward, that's up for debate too, but a different topic for a different day. So we thought we'd have you, the CFL writer, on and tell us, A, why we're wrong in terms of uh, our <laughs> belief that, that it should be happening at all, and B, why it's going to work out well for the Argos. So uh, go ahead, Andrew.
2: Well, I think uh, I don't think it's really a case that you're on. I think from a, a soccer fan standpoint, and from a Toronto FC fan standpoint in particular, of course there are reasons to be upset about this. Um, no matter how well this works out, it's not necessarily as good for Toronto FC as it w- as their previous situation of having the stadium all to themselves was. The, where what it is though is it is very good for the Toronto Argonauts. This is the greatest news for the. Toronto Argonauts in a long time. And even though they're still the second team in a venue, they're now the second team behind an MLS team rather than behind the Blue Jays, which is much easier from a scheduling perspective. Uh, they're going to have a much better stadium to play out of, especially after these renovations. And now they have they have stable ownership, they have a decent uh, scheduling ability, and they've got a good place to play and one that should provide a good fan experience. So for them uh, and for their fans, this is a huge step forward. I, under, I completely understand why Toronto FC fans aren't thrilled about it. And I think that is going to be the, the tough thing, really, is for uh, for MLSE to to balance between the Argonauts fans and the Toronto FC fans and try and find a way to keep both of them happy.
1: Yeah, Andrew, we won't belabor this too long for, for people that are more general listeners, but uh, certainly... It, 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 they're two fan bases that should be allies in many ways because of the the size of the franchise, the size of the sort of their market uh, exposure, and so on and so forth. But they've been put at odds with this. Um, do you, when is the
2: CFL schedule out? You know, uh, that is going to drop this week. I've been told so, possibly today, possibly tomorrow. Okay,
1: and uh, I, I'm sure from a CFL perspective, would they rather play on artificial turf in a general sense? Uh, football teams nowadays, Andrew, do you think?
2: Uh, it, it's, it's a good question. I don't think it really makes as big of a deal for football teams. Uh, some of the teams in the CFL use grass, uh, some some use turf. Uh, the, the advantage of turf for football is that um, it, it doesn't get torn up the same way grass does. So, I mean, uh, some of the grass fields, and we've seen this in the NFL in particular, have become very bad late in the season. But I don't really think it's a huge deal from a football perspective. I think either surface is workable.
1: All right. Uh, I'm not going to bring Kevin and I's opinion on this, this particular topic in because people have heard it many times before. Uh, So we'll move, move the topic on now. Uh, Kevin, I'll get you in in a second here, but one more for, for Andrew to start just in terms of, uh, we're seeing a lot of retirement announcements within NFL players, Mm -hmm. prominent players that are moving, uh, moving away from the game. Um, Is this something that we should be concerned about or is this just kind of a natural thing that's happening, Andrew?
2: No, it's absolutely something to be concerned about. And uh, the NFL has been full of this. The CFL has been full of this as well. We've seen a lot of players walk away young and usually citing either uh, concussions that they've had or worries about concussions in the future. Um, Concussions uh, and the the concerns about them and their long-term impacts are a huge deal for the future of football in both Canada and the U.S., and i think we're starting to see it getting to a point where it does it does limit uh, the player pool less people are are really interested in playing at a younger age and then even some of the best players you do get in are walking away in their late 20s or early 30s rather than uh, play, uh, playing out a full career necessarily there is there are also uh, ongoing concussion lawsuits against the cfl at the moment so i think this is part of the larger picture of concussions and their long-term impacts, what we know about them, and how that's going to impact the future of sport.
1: Um, Kevin, we'll bring you in the conversation now, just in terms of from a fan perspective. I, I know that you have watched less, less of the NFL in in, in recent years. Wait, uh, not less not of... just a
0: fan, I have to say. I played the game, I had concussion, and it's something that it touched me and uh, gets at me really personally. When you're looking at, at the age of the players, Dwayne, that are stopped playing. Jared Allen, he's not that old. He's barely over 30. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, probably the best example of a player young who saved his money, who always had an exit plan, an exit strategy for this game. He didn't play this game for the love or for the, the passion. No, he did it as a job and when he realized that uh, the risk outweighs the rewards, he decided to call it quits. Calvin Johnson, even Jared Allen, could, had the potential of having one of the best careers at a defensive end and decided to quit now. Records, achievement, Their health is more important. And I think it's a big turn. I think it's a big, it's important that we mark 2016 down, 2015 as well. There was a couple last week, last year. Well, there's a turn in the mentality of the players where the end goal is not to become the best ever. The end goal is, hey, if I can leave my mark, fine. But if I get out of it in good health and with money, I've had success. Uh, Andrew, what's the answer though? Like, this is such a complicated question because the sport
1: is so intuitively violent. I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, you're going to get hit in the head even if you put a lot of rules in, even if you make the equipment as as great as possible. Is there an easy
2: answer to this? No, there certainly isn't an easy answer. Um, I think there are, there are improvements that can be made. Uh, some already have been made. Both the NFL and the CFL have gone a lot better about their concussion protocols and their return to play protocols. Uh, it used to be that we would see a lot of guys Take a uh, take a hit that looked like it caused a concussion and stay in the game, and that's much more the exception than the rule nowadays. I think we've improved. Uh, th- th- they've improved the treatment between between games. Uh, players are coming back more slowly than they used to in the past, and uh, they're improving helmet technology as well. So I think th- there are a lot of things that have been done. There are a lot more things that can be done. Uh, in particular, I think that both leagues should really work on uh, reducing the amount of helmet-to-helmet contact, because that's still a big thing, despite... Uh, all the measures to try and reduce it. And I think that's what winds up causing a lot of the concussions. They're always going to happen, though. You can't knock them out of the game. And especially with what we've learned from research about the sub-concussive hits being a big long-term problem, too, uh, you're never going to completely eliminate it. So we may see a trend like we're seeing with these retirements. We we may see the typical NFL or CFL career being more uh, come in play for two, three, five years rather than play for uh, 10 or 12.
0: Andrew, you mentioned the, the helmet, the helmet hit. And you know what you made me realize, Andrew? I was taught, I was shown, I was trained when I was a kid learning how to play football to hit with my head, to hit with my mm-hmm. helmet. And if, if mm-hmm. I could, to hit the other guy on his helmet. That's how I was shown, that's how I was trained. That's how my coaches Taught me how to play the game. And I hope the change is there. I hope the change of mentality is in the training, in everyday practice. Because majority of the concussions are not in the game, are in the practice. When you practice five, six times a week, two, three hours at a time, scrimmage against each other, O-line, D-line, uh, round circle, playing sumo game, all those things, helmet-to-helmet contact. I think the mentality need to change there as well. In the practice side, I don't need to practice with full helmet on the time. It shouldn't be a lot of contact, if any. Actually, we should not even have contact in practice. Yes, you need to practice with your uniform for timing and uh, space reasons and all that, but uh, contact should be limited because it's not just contact. One word that I always use to describe football, it's not just contact, it's collision. It's a collision sport. And it's car crashes. It's literally car crashes one after the other. And if you're able to take those out of practice, well, you're going to limit the effect and the amount of concussions too. So I think the mentality needs to change from that side too, from what coaches teach the kids how to tackle, how to hit, what should be done, what shouldn't be done, and the amount of contact in during the practice should be limited as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you there, Kevin. And I think that that uh, leagues really are working on that. Uh, in recent years, we've seen both the NFL and the CFL cut down on the numbers of their practices that are full contact. Uh, the NCAA has taken some steps on that front as well. Uh, And uh, I think coaches are, uh, well, coaches are always trying to push for more contact, but I think the players' associations have been smart in realizing that this is part of the problem and trying to reduce the amount of contact and the amount of injuries you get from those practices. Uh, I think your point about uh, being taught to tackle that way is a huge one too, though, and I think that's where we're we're really going to see if these changes work or not. It's not right now. It's in five years or ten years, because it's been a relatively recent movement to change the way tackling is taught uh, in in minor football, in high school football, and so on. Both uh, the, the USA football and uh, Football Canada have been very active in trying to promote these uh, safer tackling programs, coaching clinics, and so on. And uh, we're not going to see the effects right away because it takes a while for those guys to rise up and get to the professional level. But I think um, there's certainly potential there and but it's something that you can't change when people are already at the professional level because they've been taught to play the game that way for their entire life uh, they're not really going to be able to just switch over and say okay well all of a sudden I'm not leading with my head anymore especially so I think if it if is a bit
0: no yeah especially if it's the one skill that got in there
2: yeah, exactly. So I mean it is it is a a longer term uh thing. It's going to take more time to correct that and I think we're we're going to see in a few years if all of those programs really have had an impact or not. Uh,
1: what what guys, just I'm going to have one final question on this and I'll address it to both mm-hmm. of you starting with, with Kevin. Um you know, there's there's great advice out there when you're you're reading the internet to to not read the comments, right? But I, I sometimes <laughs> think when it comes to this issue that the comments are part of the problem because if you read attitude amongst the general sports fan out there about concussion protocols about this stuff, there's still a lot of derivative kind of language that comes out about their their quote unquote well, you know, the word that starts with a P that we shouldn't say uh, out there. They they use that word to describe them. They they say that you know your your bells wrong, all that sort of. Stuff like the attitude amongst Wait. the fans is that this is this is weak.
0: They say you, you paid 20 millions a year to do that. I would do it for less if I was in your position. That's what they say. When no, not knowing the actual health hazard that are including, we're talking about CT here, uh, and encephalogram a disease that gets after that creates dementia that is uh, linked to creating Alzheimer's, the link to creating more brain. Uh, illnesses later in life, there's a new test that's actually in New York. It's been uh, used the last couple of months that tests the brain differently and shows athletes if they're ready or not to go back to training after a post-concussion syndrome. And the way they check it is if you are a person that has a high-level IQ or a normal-level IQ as a normal person, normal human being, you can function with CTE without even knowing that you have CTE because your brain pathways, your neurons together will form around the actual CTE to continue to do daily tasks very efficiently. And you won't notice until later in life, until 20, 30 years down the road, that you will have some uh, degenerative brain disease that will have come out of the CTE. So the fact that there's new testing right now that scientists are figuring out how to test the brain effectively can you imagine if all the players in the NFL right now, or all collision contact sports for that matter, soccer included, and no I don't want to hear people say, oh, it's just a ball on the head. Yeah, but if you do that from the age of 8 to 25, there's a, a cumulative aspect to CTE as well. So all sports, all athletes should eventually have that test to see the brain pathways, how if the brain pathways are normal, if I've worked around the actual problem of the CTE really? inside the it- brain.
1: Andrew, you you, you write a lot on on the web. Do do you see a changing in attitude, a softening in attitude amongst uh, general readers towards these issues?
2: I think there's still definitely, as you described, Dwayne, There's still definitely a lot of resentment towards it. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of people who still think that all this talk of concussions is softening, uh, softening the game and making making us wusses and so on. Uh, but I think the attitude's starting to change a bit. And what Kevin was talking about there, I think, is sort of important. That uh, there the, there is a lot of research being done right now on de- detecting CT while players are still alive. Uh, the guys who were featured in the concussion movie, uh, Julian Bales and Bennett O'Mahou, they're leading a team on that uh, out at UCLA. And uh, I think what's really interesting with that is, is so far the, the CTE reporting, it's, a lot of it has been about players who played decades ago there've been there've been some cases of guys who played more recently and so on but there's still this gap between the football and between what eventually happens to them and i think maybe at, when if we get to a point where these kind of diseases can be diagnosed while guys are still playing a it becomes easier for for certain players to know that they absolutely should walk away from the game but b i think maybe that's what helps make that connection to the average sports fan that this isn't something for them to worry about years down the road this isn't something that may have been due to something other than football or other than another sport i think uh that sort that can be helpful in establishing that direct link and i think that's what's really needed to change some of the attitudes
1: All right, Uh, let's move it away from this conversation for now and put it on the field real briefly to wrap up our our football uh, stuff. Um, season just wrapped up. Obviously, uh, much of the attention post Super Bowl was on, you know, whether Cam Newton was uh, responsive enough in a in a scrum, which seemed a bit ridiculous to me. But uh, Andrew, just in general, uh, what were your what were your takeaways from the NFL season this year? Did you uh, did you enjoy the season? Do you think it was a uh, you know, where does it rank? Uh, did, were you surprised by the results? Just what were your general thoughts on the on the overall season we just uh, finished?
2: Yeah, I think it, it it was an entertaining season, but it was one that was a bit of a mess for the NFL uh, on a whole lot of fronts, ranging from uh, the the ongoing DeflateGate saga and the the NFL's investigation of that, uh, ranging from Peyton Manning and the HGH story about him, and uh, just uh, there was a lot of really sloppy sub subpar, uh, subpar play. We saw that in the playoffs too, and it was it, it was. Highly entertaining, but there were a lot of just games decided by dumb mistakes, such as uh, the the Steelers and Bengals won with penalties right at the end, uh, such as the missed field goal from the Vikings. Uh, the, and I think that came through in the Super Bowl too, especially from both offenses. This wasn't, it wasn't a great offensive game. It was a game of defenses playing very well and offenses just uh, screwing up whenever, they, whenever they touched the ball. So, and it's interesting to, that you mentioned uh, the Cam Newton reaction too. And I think that is another part of what the NFL is going through right now. Is that it, it's it's transitioning away from the likes of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to younger players like Cam Newton and guys like Newton in particular, who really don't follow the conventional media model. Uh, guys who are maybe more cocky than uh, than people have seen in the past and uh, more uh, more more uh, more flamboyant and more willing to talk about what they can do and what, what they want to do and be an icon and an entertainer and so on. And I'm not sure that the conventional sports media and some of the sports fans have really uh, caught on to that yet, or, or certainly if they know it's there, a lot of them really don't agree with that. So I think we are going to see more of that culture clash
0: going forward. The music on the Sports Podcasting Network is courtesy of St. Clair. Get their EP moving on on stclair.bandcamp.com.
1: And welcome back to the uh, SBN Roundtable. I'm Dwayne Rollins along with Kevin Laramie and our guest today, Andrew Buckholtz. Um we're going to talk a little basketball now, and uh, it was All-Star weekend here in Toronto. I guess we should start there real real quickly because it was all over the place here. Um, it, I, Kevin, I'll ask you, was there much uh, interest or note of the uh, NBA All-Star game because it was in Toronto more than usual in Montreal? There was a little um, because,
0: because of the fact that now with uh, – I blame. I don't blame. I applaud. Many different reasons why basketball is catching on in Quebec lately. The Raptors being good, the fact that games are shown on TV now, and I think that's the most important reason. The fact that there's two more new in the last decade channel that have arises TV I one and two, and there's been battle between our DS and them for showing live sports because that's what gets people watching is live TV. Basketball has been one of those answers. And with basketball being shown and the Raptors being shown more often, you get a following of that and you get more people talking about it, more people talking about it, more journalists cover it. So I think it's that cycle that's going on. And the All-Star Game itself, not the game, but the, the weekend, the festivities, and most importantly, the three point shootout and the dunk contest are really popular, especially this year. The dunk contest has been one for the ages, especially with the last couple of dunk by Gordon and as well by Levine, which it could be controversy who won, who didn't. Should have Gordon won with that Sid dunk over the mascot. But maybe the fact that Steve Nash uh, screwed up that eight times dunk with the foot flicker in the back didn't help. All those answers were it was just a great dunk competition, Dwayne. I have to say three-point shootout this year was good. But again, its it's the night before. It's just like the hockey All-Star game. It's the night before that it's important.
1: Uh, Yeah, Andrew's based in the States right now, so I'll I'll ask you, was was there as much attention to the dunk contest down there as there has been up here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of attention to the dunk contest. Uh, There's a lot of attention to the various skills thing. Uh, the, the one that really uh, surprised me w- was uh, how much attention was paid to the celebrity all-star game, which I thought wound up t- turning out being r- rather hilarious of Kevin Hart uh, ripping off his his coaching clothes and running in as a player. And uh, that actually led to the biggest sports media story out of the day when uh, Wynn Butler w- from Arcade Fire won the all-star MVP and tried to make a political statement in the cut him off, so uh, that certainly uh, provoked plenty of buzz down here
1: yeah and Andrew as I said, uh, does write for awful announcing sometimes too, so uh maybe we'll touch base there I, well, what was the general consensus were people uh, did did people agree with that or was it split like everything else in the United States seemingly right now?
2: Um, I think people generally think it was a little silly of ESPN. Uh, there were, of course, some people who are like, yeah, I keep politics out of my sports. But the thing is, so much in sports is related to politics in one way or another, and especially when you're talking about a celebrity all-star game broadcast that's featured so many other ridiculous things, right? Like, they're doing, inter- they're doing interviews with uh, uh, various NBA stars about what they're wearing, and uh, they're, uh, they're talking with Kevin Hart about his new movies. Movie and so on. I think uh, people sort of embraced uh, the, the zaniness of the broadcast and these people promoting these very different things. And in a lot of ways, I think ESPN made a much bigger story by kind of off than they would have if they just let them talk.
1: Yeah, that's often the case. I, I did enjoy that the Property Brothers looked like they could have played, you know, at a mid-major in the, about uh, 15 years ago there. they uh, Some tall boys that could play the game a little bit. So that was kind of fun. And uh, Milos, too. Milos looked like he could have played if he had decided that not dunk. to play
0: tennis. That dunk by that Milos. That dunk, absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But let's not talk about that any further. Andrew, uh, it is trade deadline day right now. We're taping this at around noon Eastern time. So there hasn't been uh, any movement that we've seen, any any tons of movement right now so far. But uh, in a general sense, uh, do you think we're, we're going to see much action uh, today?
2: Well, I, I think one guy to really – one team to really watch is Atlanta. There's been a lot of talk of them trading Al Horford if they get the right offer and uh, uh, one of my Yahoo colleagues, Bobby Marks, actually wrote that the Raptors might be a guy who would try to really, uh, a team that would try to really go after him if they want to really go all in this year and make a real uh, run for it. So uh, the, the Hawks don't seem that eager to sell unless they get a great offer. But he's a guy who could make a huge impact on any number of playoff contenders. So, and I think if that trade does happen, then we'll see a lot of other um, moves in reaction to it.
1: All right, Kevin, you, you of course, host Hardwood uh, Radio, so uh, what are your thoughts
0: today? What are you looking for? Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. That's what I'm looking for today. Is he going to get traded? Is that uh Problem that has become for Doc Rivers and the Clippers is going to be fixed today. Uh, let's uh, recap the situation in Toronto a couple weeks ago in Yorkdale, to be precise, Dwayne. Uh, like you mentioned to me, oh, farewell. He punched a trainer, a uh, close friend of the team, kind of a trainer, more of a hang around of the team, but somebody that people like. And he punched him in the face repeatedly, allegedly. So that is why he was suspended by the club indefinitely. And they're looking for ways to get rid of him. The contract's not necessarily easy. He's a big piece, though, he can bring something to a team that's on the cusp. Um, I don't know if he fits with the Raptors system. I don't really think so. I think the Raptors have maybe too much speed to their play. But a piece like this could help the Raptors. Uh, climb that step that last little step from being a good team to be able to contend with the golden states and the spurs which is not going to be easy this year the west is very very top heavy with the two best team not only this year in the nba but maybe of all time in the nba the way things are going this year yes i'm going with my eyebrows again but uh yeah i do want to see how this old blake griffin things unfolds at Edwin.
1: Andrew, is there a point for any team in the East trying to ro- roll it big? Like, is, is just making an NBA final worthwhile? I mean, obviously Toronto's high on my agenda, high on my thoughts being a lifelong mm. Raptors fan. Well, like, lifelong, I can't be a lifelong Raptors fan. I was born before they existed, but you know what I mean. Um, is it worthwhile to
2: to try and roll big and try and get to a final right now? You know, I would say for Toronto in particular, I don't think it is. I I think uh, the Raptors are in a decent situation. They're uh, going to be a playoff team. They'll have some chances there. But I I think mortgaging the future in a big way is very dangerous right now because because those Western teams are so good. Uh, The Warriors and the Spurs are so good. They look like they'll blow anyone away. And even getting to the final is far from a sure thing as there are some other intriguing teams in the East. And you still have to go for Le- LeBron and Cleveland. So uh, I think th- the Raptors are going to be very tempted to make a big splashing move to try and go all in here. But even if they make a big splashing move, I think they're really just going to, they're going to lose a lot of valuable future assets. And I don't think there's anyone out there who can really put them over the top and make them an actual title contender.
1: Yeah, I suppose it comes down to wh- whether they think that they can uh, attract any free agents. Whether they can, they think that they can maintain. Mm-hmm. a their own free agents this offseason, if they have some insight that maybe that's not possible, then I could see them maybe making a move. But by and large, speaking as a Torontonian real briefly, if I could, I think most Toronto sports fans would be satisfied if the Raptors were played competitively in the playoffs and won a round. They don't necessarily need to make the NBA final and, and getting there to, to lose four straight games. And I don't think it would be realistic to expect them to do any Eastern team other than, than the clear than uh, Cleveland to to do more than win a game at best. It, it seems like a bit of a fool's goal, a fool's game to try and try and chase that uh, NBA title dream just right now, uh, guys. Uh, Kevin, any anything to add to that before we move it to my favorite topic right now, the
0: Montreal Canadiens? <laughs> no, let's just dive into it, Dwayne. I have a lot of things to say about that topic too. All right, Kevin, PK Subban, go. Man, you know what? When there's only one player that's trying something different, that's seeing the game in a different way, that's doing something different, that he's not the same age group as everybody else, that has different taste in music, in fashion, in culture, basically, because he has a different culture and it's not accepted, well, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb, don't you? And that's a shame because we might have the best defenseman type of player, the most exciting. When I see him do those type of things, I, it reminds me of Bobby Orr, which I know I didn't see play live. I saw it after on ESPN Classic Canada. But that's the feeling I get. But no. Oh, he's tr- he takes too much risk. He he loses the puck. He loses the game. Yeah, look at the season they're having. They're in the shithole anyways. At least he's trying something. And I th- the coaches and the general manager and everybody else think it's important to single him out. And look at him. He's different than us. We don't like him. Jeez, it just makes me angry. Can you embrace I don't want to say diversity, because that doesn't it doesn't pinpoint what I mean. It has nothing to do with race. Maybe it does, but not in my rant right now. I think it has to do with he likes different things. He dressed differently. The guy has seen different the guy's living his dream and has a little money. He's living it up in the way that he loves to do. He's not hookers and blow at 3 a.m. in the morning. He likes fashion and he likes to <laughs> to have fun. So can you please have a little bit of empathy towards him and not the other way around all the time. Them general population, same for the coach and all the rest of maybe the locker room if that's the case and that's a problem because I don't think Subban is a problem.
1: Yeah, okay, I'll bring Andrew in here and say, uh, that's we'll take race off the table for now, although I think that a lot of P.K. Subban's reaction has to do with, with amongst certain people with that. And I'll just put that out there. I've owned that before. People disagree with that. They're, they're free to disagree with that. I think it's obvious, but at any rate, I do think there is another factor at play, and we'll we'll stick with that conversation right now, and that's hockey culture. PK Subban mm-hmm. doesn't fit into to hockey culture. He's not one of the good old boys that you know dumps the puck in deep, which is what the issue today is: is that he lost his footing trying to make a move at the blue line, and they they broke in three on three. So that's that's not ignore the fact that Hab still broke down defensively after they he lost the puck exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> right, we'll bring we'll bring Andrew in here. Um, Andrew, I don't know. Does he fit in? To, does PK Subban need to leave Montreal, or do you think that there, there's a way that people can come back around to this?
2: No, I think you nailed it, Doyd, with the hockey culture, and I think that's what is even more so than race. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think the discussion—I think race is a factor there—but I think the bigger issue is hockey and the way that hockey approaches its stars. I think uh, what we're seeing with PK Subban is very similar to what we've seen with Alex Ovechkin over the years, where he, for a long while, he w- he was vilified every time he didn't get back on defense. He was vilified for. Uh, for having too much fun and being too goofy and not not being the, the serious uh, Canadian boy that Don Cherry loves to praise. So I, I think that's a part. I think hockey has a very hard time with embracing its stars because in a lot of ways, uh, hockey revolves around this narrative of Everybody needs to be a good team player. It's all its all about the team. It's all about hockey. You can't show other interests. You can't show personality. You can't show what you're interested in off the ice. And you, I think it's fascinating to compare that to basketball, where uh, the NBA has done very well to embrace star's personalities and really let them be who they want to be. And uh, I think that's the direction that hockey and hockey fans need to go into. But it, it's, it's not just hockey that has as a struggle we talked about cam newton earlier and people judging him for not fitting into the the paradigm of what an nfl quarterback is supposed to be i think it's a similar thing with pk Subban, and i think really the fault isn't the fault isn't his at all i think it's a fault with what people expect from hockey players and um, just the, the the way we approach them as a culture. The other thing that's always hilarious too is that for all the talk of good team player, good team player and so on people judge superstars outrageously harshly when they're only one guy on a team. You're always judged by how many Stanley Cups have you won and I don't think that's really fair when you consider that how great of teams people had to be on to actually win a Stanley Cup. Wayne Gretzky maybe be the greatest player who ever played. He never won a Stanley Cup after he left Edmonton. So there have been a lot of very good players on uh, who just didn't have the pieces around them. And I think that's the case with P.K. Subban and the Montreal Canadiens right now.
1: All right, before I move, Andrew, I want to get your your thoughts on the media side of things and, and this Canadian disaster that's going on. But before we do that, Kevin, one one final thought for the Montrealer there. Is there any way to stop this train from going off the cliff at this point? It seems to me from the outside perspective that, that it's just rolling down the hill and it, the momentum on this, the negative momentum behind the Habs right now is really going to be very difficult to stop.
0: And I really think that the train shouldn't be stopped, just let it go down the hill. And you know what? Bring Austin Matthews. He's gonna look good in a Montreal jersey, and he's gonna help you climb that hill back up next week. year with Kerry Price back. So, can you imagine? Just you tank, you t- you take Edmonton's uh, first draft pick Og off of the table. You get the draft pick, you get Austin Matthews, then you get Kerry Price back next year with Austin Matthews with the likes of PK Subban. Now with three young guys, the locker room will be different. That could be maybe the potential for next year. So, let that train roll off the hill, the hill and uh, hopefully, you'll get that draft pick lottery.
1: All right. Uh, Obviously, Edmonton's going to win the the lottery, though. I I know. That's That's just how it works, and it's going to be funny. Actually, if Edmonton did win the lottery, it would be entertaining because they really shouldn't pick Matthews. They'd have to trade that pick, I think. Um, Andrew, let's talk about the media side of things. As I said, you do write for awful announcing, and uh, there's a really interesting story that that may be happening here when it comes to the NHL playoffs in Canada that there's not going to be any quote-unquote Canadian teams. I say quote-unquote because I feel that there's 16 Mm -hmm. Canadian teams in the NHL playoffs every year but that's my own bias coming out there in terms of the roster composition but uh, how bad would it be for Sportsnet if the the doomsday scenario does play out which is increased I think it's like 10% of the odds right now for one of the Canadian team the top odds for any Canadian team to make the playoffs right now how bad would that be for Sportsnet Andrew?
2: Yeah, it, it's that's what everybody wants to know, really, and uh, I don't think we really do know because that hasn't happened for so long. Uh, I think Canadians are still going to watch the NHL playoffs, even if there isn't a, Can- a team based in Canada in it. As you point out, there are lots of connections to players and so on. There, I do think the ratings in Canada are going to drop substantially uh, if there isn't a Canadian team, but the, the, they're not going to wash up entirely. Uh, the interesting thing to really watch with it, I think, is is what happens in the states. Because there's always been this narrative that having all these Canadian teams in is bad for the US television ratings, and the ratings haven't really shown that. Last year in the early rounds of the playoffs, some of the series that drew best on American television were ones involving a Canadian team. So I'm curious to see really uh, both how this plays out in Canada in terms of how bad Sportsnet's ratings get and how much money they're losing on that giant deal. But I'm also interested to see what happens in the US if there's no Canadian teams, and if finally finally uh, destroys that narrative that oh, one well, of the reasons people aren't watching this is because there's so much Canadian content.
1: It's just a local sport, I think, is the reason Americans don't watch it at big numbers. It's very much like Major League Baseball, in my opinion, that uh, the local regional markets will will watch it and enjoy it, but a national product, I'm not sure. Andrew, uh, Kevin, uh, the, will you have less interest in the in the playoffs if the Habs aren't in it and if, and if there's no Canadian teams in it?
0: You know what? I was thinking the exact same thing because I had a fake, fig- had a feeling going to ask me that question and. I actually think if there's no Canadian team, which is very likely, I'm going to enjoy the playoff more because I'm able to analyze the play for what it is. If There's only one team, obviously, that gets me a little emotionally invested. And I say a little because it's not like it used to be. It's hard. The, the disconnect has happened. But for me to watch the NHL playoff with no horse in the race might be really interesting because then you can watch the play for what it is. You can analyze it for the actual event themselves. And to see players like uh, if Steven Stamkos and the be like, can squeeze in the playoff, Canada as a whole might uh, go after him. Because if you support him big enough, maybe he's going to come join your city next year. You never know. Yeah. So there's a lot of those thoughts that could be happening and if example Montreal finishes last you're going to get a good draft pick and there might be players in the offseason market with uh free agents so we're going to look at those free agents play to see how well they do
1: all right F- final question Andrew uh, how much how good will the ratings be when uh, when Americans tune in to watch the Washington Capitals win their first Stanley Cup in a four-game sweep over Nashville
2: <laughs> well i I think they'll be decent i mean we we've <laughs> seen good good ratings for uh the relatively good ratings anyway for the NHL playoffs last year they did very well on NBC which is a funny contrast to Canada where they were down year over year but uh, I think you're you're right in a lot of ways though dwayne that hockey uh, hockey's a sport where it really is led by those strong regional markets, and so a, a lot of the ratings will depend on if, if any of those strong markets are in the final. And Washington might be a little bit of a challenging one on that front, because it, I think it, it Washington, it would really depend how much the wider city that isn't normally hockey fans embraces that team. I think there's certainly a good chance they do if the Capitals make it all the way to the playoffs, but the, 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 I think it's a city that's not as all about the hockey as, say, Chicago is.
1: But fair enough. Uh, I I'm a oddly a, a lifelong Caps fan, which is why I put them out there. But nonetheless, they do look like they might be a, a team. And I'm avoiding topic, talking about that topic, uh, Kevin, because it's uh, going to jinx it if I do. All right, Andrew, we do thank you for your time today. Uh, anything you want to plug before we let you go?
2: No, uh, just uh, thanks very much for having me, guys. Uh, great uh, great talking with you and uh, appreciate the discussion.
0: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us sportspodcastingnetwork.com